Hey everyone. Uh, so we just got done recording an episode about quality matches and we had both Chris Scott, who you probably haven't seen in quite a while. And we had Mike Pannone on and we just kind of talked about what we consider quality matches, just had a, a big round table discussion. Uh, so Frank, what's your assessment? So we, we talked about local matches and we talked about major matches. Um, and they're different ball games, but what's important is that if you're getting into competitive shooting, finding good locals is going to lead you to good majors, but it's also going to prepare you to perform well in them. And I think we also did a great job of breaking down matches across the country uh, in a variety of different uh, disciplines. We did USPSA as well, three gun, and I'm sure, pretty sure there's a few other disciplines that made it in there. So lots of information, uh, regardless of what part of the country you're from. And I hope you guys enjoy it. And I'm going to go ahead and throw a couple shameless plugs in there since this episode was about quality matches. So this uh, today, uh, Friday uh, at 8 p.m. is going to be opening registration for three man three gun up at Topton, Pennsylvania. That's one of my favorite three gun matches to shoot because it's a team match and it's just real good, fast, stand and deliver match. If you want to kind of get a picture of what it's all about, we do have an episode that is about three man, three gun specifically. If I had the episode number here, I would tell you, uh, but that's okay. Uh, you could just scroll through and find it. And then the other match that's going to be opening up registration on Saturday evening is going to be the Zeus City Armory Battle for the South. Last year was the first annual. I think it caught everybody by surprise in, in terms of um, it being a first annual and people just absolutely loving it. Um, I speak about Jason Byerly and the Zeus City crew all the time on here, and there's a reason. It's a good match. Uh, so... That's going to be uh, that that opens up on Saturday evening. So, um, again, I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you take in a lot of good information and, you know, let us know what you think. Give me a nod when you're ready. Shooter's ready. Stand by. Hey everyone, this is Matt Gunlock from the 3GIQ Podcast. I'm here with Frank Gow, my co-host, and also we have Chris Scott, you know, our former OIC for, you know, the Marine Corps shooting action shooting team. And he was also, before he left Weapons Training Battalion, he was part of, or before he left the Marine Corps, he was part of the Advanced Sparksmanship Training Package, which we do plan on doing a, a future episode on what that is, the initiative that they started and drove into. But this episode, we're kind of going to be talking about uh, finding quality matches uh, within your area, whether you're stationed in California or if you're, you know, not in the military, but you want to find quality matches in general. So that's what this discussion is going to be about. So, uh, so I guess starting out, how would each person define a quality match? Um, you know, Frank, we'll start with you. 
Yeah. So I wrote down several areas, um, like criteria, and I'll just go down the list and we'll talk about each of them individually. But I would say at the very top is match administration. How easy is the match to find, sign up in, squad, pay? And how does the match director ensure that there's a good match flow, like not having squads stack up on top of each other? How good is the stage design? Are they really simple stages that you could set up at your local range yourself? Or are you legitimately going there because that match director is putting together something special each and every time? What's the competitive level of the match? Are you going up against GMs? Are you going up against guys that are probably going to stomp you uh, into the ground, but also going to show you something that you wouldn't necessarily get from out going out and shooting with your buddies? And I guess the secondary question I would pose there is that does a high-level competition in the match also tend to lend itself to the strength of the uh, range officers that attend that match as well? Open question for you all. Um, the match props, right? Some ranges have really good match props. I would say that Zoo City has a really good cadre of match props. Uh, Sir Walter had some really good stuff. Um, I'm mostly talking about moving steel activators, that kind of stuff. That just, uh, it, it creates an extra dimension. And these are the things that you're likely to see if you go to a major match as well. Uh, rules and scoring transparency. So there's some standardized ruling uh, rule, rules, right? Um, but sometimes there are some local matches that just make things up. And that does certain things to competitive equity, right? Um, and scoring transparency. Like some guys like the live scoring, but... Is the match director just going to upload a JPEG of uh, a paper score sheet after the match? Or are you actually going to get timely updates and practice score? And that matters, right? You kind of want to know where you stacked up. Um, the price, right? And it, that, that varies per region and based on what you're getting. And then the last thing I'd say is match director personality. Um, so we'll start by talking about match administration. Uh, Chris, thoughts on between what are some of the um, some of the things that you'd see in a good match and some of the things that you'd see in a bad match. Yeah, so I kind of just go through, I, I tried to write down like what good matches I've been to, why did I like those? Um, and so one of the first ones, and I think almost every match is doing this, there's like, I can really only think of one three-gun match that's holding out, is practice score registration. If it's not on practice score, it's, we're not in the 90s anymore. Uh, I think... Uh, Rocky Mountain three guns, the only one that they're not doing practical registration. You have to like mail in a check, which is hilarious, but it's a good match, so people still go to it. Um, self squatting, uh, with clear communication. Like, I've been to a match before where did self squatting pick the squad? I was like the long guy that nobody knew, and then. They moved me like the day of the match because I wasn't friends with other people or something. And they needed to move stuff around, which I get, um, but just clear communication from the match director uh, if they need to make any changes for match flow as far as squatting goes or combined squads. Um, online payment through practice score. Uh, I know that they get charged a fee for using Stripe, I believe it is. Uh, it's but... only like a dollar twenty-five or something. It, it, it's nothing crazy, though. Okay, that's not bad at all then. Yeah, I've never set up the payment. I just know some don't uh, allow you to pay through practice score. So just be able to pay through practice score after match approval. Um, And then the kind of going into the match more, like uh, how it goes, like match flow. Uh, I'd say half-day format. 
unless you're at some crazy range facility that you can't get between stages in a timely manner, then I can understand the on and off format. But even shooting Memorial 3-Gun, uh, things were fairly spread out there, but they had you shoot in zones. Um, so you could still facilitate a half-day format. Um, I, I don't really see a lot of arguments for doing a full-day um, on-off format for a match. Um, another thing that I uh, just kind of goes with it, but like match directors factoring in the travel time between the different stages. Uh, so if they're sticking to like a, a hard schedule or you have to be at this stage at this time, um, but you're driving couple miles or something uh factor that in uh and then i mean i can kind of go into stage design here a little bit uh we'll stick with point you we'll, want it. yeah yeah we'll stick with match administration for the time being um the that point you brought up about travel time between stages you guys shot a lot of three gun obviously had uh, yeah. i think the clinton house is one example matt you've talked about that several times but i would just say even like some of the USPSA majors, um, the chrono is like tucked away in some random part of the woods. So you yeah. got to hunt that down. But also like if you're at one end of the range and walking all the way to the other end of the range, it does take a while. And uh, Mike is, we'll, uh, we'll spin him up real quick. Or Yeah. Yeah. Um, So while we're waiting for Mike to spin up, what some bad registration uh, software that I've seen uh, specifically um, hey Mike. Hey. hey dude, sorry I totally screwed the time up. It's all good, I was man. Range blazing. It's all good. We're uh we've already started recording, but no, we we're literally at the beginning. We're doing uh quality matches and everything. Um, okay. And, and so we're kind of we're talking in the beginning, like you know, uh, what what constitutes a good match? Okay, so where where are you on that? Because I definitely got some got some uh yeah comments for that so i came up with a list of criteria mike uh okay. just go through real quick we are talking right now about match administration so how easy is it to sign up how easy is it to squad how do you pay and the general match flow um what chris yeah. talked about is like travel in between bays like the the match director factoring in how long it takes people to get from bay to bay um and then also being able to pay online was a pretty big thing okay. um i guess okay. I'll just we Matt, you and I talked about paying online before this. So I understand the club wanting to keep more cash for itself. But I would also say that if it's easier for people to pay, more people will sign up. But also if people have already paid, they're less likely to just back out on a whim. Um the day of a match, if I haven't paid my twenty-five to thirty dollars, it's easy for me to just not show up if the weather's bad, right? Yeah. So yep. um, but if you want to jump right in, uh Mike. So good and bad practices in terms of match administration. Um, I think the squatting always turns out to be kind of an issue because people want to squat with their buddies and all that. So that's a bit of it. And then how they coordinate it. When I was, uh, when I was still living out in Tucson, I'd go to Rio and shoot and um, it's a big match. I mean, there's a lot of people that show up and it's a big, I mean, Rio's kind of the shooting Mecca and you end up with like, we had 90 minute waits first stages like you'd shoot a stage and then you wait 90 minutes for the next stage and i'm like oh it was that, that's it, bad it was brutal dude it was a you'd start in the morning and you would you'd be there for six or seven hours it was garbage i stopped i just stopped shooting it it's just too much and i think that's a range administration they're maximizing the cash flow 
They're just mm-hmm. packing as many people. Hey, we can get 30 people a stage. Well, if you have one stage, uh, you've got a, you've got a classifier that's 12 rounds. And then the next stage is a field, uh, a field stage. That's 32 rounds with steel. So you've got makeup shots on it now. And, and it takes forever to set, reset the apparatus, excuse me, and all that. Now, all of a sudden you don't have 34 people for per stage. You have, like 58 people at one stage all the time. And it like binds up. So there was a bunch of those that were, um, <clears throat> the matches weren't balanced. Yeah. The stages, some stages were really long and complicated and they'd be choke points and everybody would end up there. If you knew the match, you started at that stage and you were done in three hours. If you didn't know and started anywhere else, you were there for six hours. So it was like, <clears throat> it was kind of, it was a little harsh. I thought on the range administration side of it, I mean, that they, they should have thought it up better and balanced the stages. You'd have some short stages that weren't classifiers that were 19 rounds and, you know, seven seconds. And you're like, okay, everybody burns through all the short stages and then ends up waiting in line for the big one. So that, I think that's, it's kind of the big picture part of it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I, I agree with everything there. Uh, and match flow to me is extremely important. Like that whole, you know, waiting an hour and a half for, you know, just just to get on a stage, that that's boo-boo on, on the match director itself. And I think that also shows a level of incompetence on the match directors who, who allow that to happen. You know, I think Chris and I, Chris and I have ran Marine Corps marksmanship competitions ourselves, and we always take – time considerations in between uh from stage to stage uh extremely important and and you know one thing i i love about jason byerly like whenever he runs uh whenever he runs memorial three gun or battle for the south fall brawl or even helping jk Khan with uh with the duskin match you know they look at the complexity of the stage how long it's going to take uh to get each shooter through they come up, you know, and, and a common formula that you, you can go by that any match director can go by is, OK, I I need to safely assume, you know, and I, I do it whenever I factor things in, like if it's going to be a local match, if I'm going to run a match and I, I don't I haven't ran many matches myself, but I look at, OK, if I have 10 people on the stage, I can reasonably give each shooter six minutes, you know, from the time they're getting ready to the time they're on the line shooting and the time that it takes to reset that stage at six minutes. And that's an overestimation, but now, you know, each squad is going to take one hour on that stage. And you have, if you have to increase it, okay, well, how complex can I make, keep this stage going? Um, you know, and how complex can I make it? If I'm going to do a long range stage, am I going to make a plethora of other stuff after that long range? Or am I going to make the focus just that long range? And then am I going to transition into some easy shotgun, easy pistol? That way you're still running through three gun, um, you know, and then everybody runs through and the, there's not a backup. And then you also have to factor in, you know, complexity for the newer shooters you know, you have mm-hmm. to, you have to factor in, uh, you know, time. What's the part time going to be? You know, every stage, you know, your typical base stages may be a little bit different than your long range stage. But that long range stage, there's no reset. So it's just, you know, yeah. how much is that match director taking all those considerations? And, you know, this is this goes hand in hand with everything from a local match to a major match. 
And I think we're in a day and age now, you know, and I'll say uh, when the fall of three gun nation happened, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, well, I live in this area. I have a, I have access to this range. So I'm just going to start ho hosting my own major. And people started, you know, getting this this idea that I don't have to travel for matches anymore. But the thing is, is that the match quality didn't get better. And I think Chris and I saw this a lot whenever we were shooting on the team, you know, there were matches that we went to that we were really hoping to be good. And some of them did not hit the mark. And it turned into you have your major matches and then you have your local majors. Um, you know, and I'm not going to call any matches, but Chris and I went to a match last year where, you know, I had a round go over my head because I was at a different part of the match. And I was just like, what the fuck? Cool. No, <laughs> yeah. that wasn't. <laughs> Um, but so I just, Jeez. I just, you know, those are some of the considerations I, I take into it. Uh, I look at a thing I see too is complex when on just a quick side note on the complexity of the stages. If you have apparatus set up, they have to be set up correctly so that they can be consistently triggered. Yeah. And so you're not, you don't have reshoots and you don't have, you're not calibrating steel. I've seen that. That's been a huge problem is there's a there's a stage with with steel that's not calibrated properly and people are calling for calibration that stops everything for 10 minutes right there for yeah. sure it's like it, the whole flow shot so it's like you don't just throw a, a match together there actually is a, you know a, a learning curve to that if you're just starting from scratch there's a lot of mistakes you got to make and and hopefully you can talk to people that have already made them and not make them yourself but yeah there's a there's a lot of a lot of matches that are um that people think oh just set, like you said just set up four stages or set up six stages and we're good it's like eh, not so much or, you know, give your ROs the power to, you know, calibrate oh, and to check. Yeah. ROs is a whole nother topic we're going to delve into. Yeah, absolutely. That is further down the list. Um, we're already kind of getting into stage design. Uh, but if I could add a couple more things, some bad registration pra practices that I've seen. Um, Matt, personally, for the tactile games, I hated the fact that they use race entry. Yes. I thought that website yes. was garbage. But they're now doing practice for it. Well, you know, honestly, I think some of them. Okay, so Jared Halbert is a three gunner by trade. He started out in three gun, but and I don't know how their makeup was, you know, uh, what he ran and what he didn't run. Um, and so whenever they had that, that they are now doing. I want to say they are doing. They are doing. Through, I, I just signed up. Through okay. Practice score. Yeah. So they are doing things through practice score now, but I want to say the reason why they were doing race entry before is due to the fact that they had some long distance runners who was, who was kind of in control. So it was, okay. it, it, it was basically, this is a, this is the program, the website we know we understand. So this is what we're going to use on their level. And I don't think yeah. they were fully, you know, in tune with the practice score thing in the shooting community. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that. And also, if you show up and your match director is signing everyone up on a piece of paper, that's not it can work. It can certainly work, but it's indicative of several things. Um, there are better ways to do it. And that match director either thinks that they cannot learn that or is unwilling to learn those other ways of administering a match. Um, and More human error there, too. Yeah. So a lot of human error, too, like when they post a picture of a bunch of people's names and their scores at the end of the day, are you willing to take that as the gospel truth? And the last thing I'll add there is 
make your match easy to search in practice score as well. There's a lot of generic names and acronyms out there. And in the odd case that like, I, 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 you know, I I'm following the world shoot right now. All I had to do was look up like, I think it was Thailand or world shoot or Ipsic and it popped right up. So having something distinguishable, I think is pretty important. Mm -hmm. That way it also gives people an ability to score Hawk. Exactly. Right. Um, Yes, for the longest time, the tackle games was terrible about that. Like, I, it always took me forever to find those scores. Um, but we can move into stage design, Matt. Okay, yeah. So I'll go with uh, – I'll start out with, uh, you know, I, I've i only been shooting competitively eight, nine years. Um, for most people, you know, they would consider me an OG. I don't consider myself an OG necessarily, but I've shot a lot of matches. Like whenever it st- when I started out, it was Tar Heel 3-Gun. And essentially, you were getting a major match in a, at a monthly, on a monthly basis. And they were very complex stages. You had six long range stages uh, out of, you know, well, no, you had you had four long range stages and a six stage match. Um, but now kind of describing now that I'm I, I, I'm a little bit more seasoned, uh, I take the Jason Byerly approach whenever I come up to a stage. And, and what am I getting myself into? How complex is it? And is there a flow to that specific stage? And the way Jason describes it is if I'm doing a jungle run, I want there to be a very specific flow, um, almost like a dance. You know, I want to be able to just continuously move, reload the shotgun or just continue moving forward. And the only time you get out of step is when you fuck up. Um, so there has to be some kind of flow. There has to be, you know, some type of lateral movements There, you know, and there's gotta be some kind of gotcha targets in there as well. Um, you know, that way it's always keeping you thinking and, and, and moving. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, the way I do, um, any stages that I come up, come up to, I try to break them down into chunks mm-hmm. and I, 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 I do this. And then I do that and I do the next thing. Like I break it down in chunks, especially when you get like memory stages and stuff like that, which get a little stupid at times. Um, they, uh, the, uh, it really helps to do that. But there's, there's always, like you said, if it's done correctly, there'll be a, there'll be a flow and, but there'll be a, you know, a catch me, you know, what target somewhere behind a barrel or something to force you to come out of that flow and then reenter the flow again. And I think that's actually good. I was, when I, you know, uh, Shout out here, um, not this year because I effed it up, but the year before when I shot at PCSL, there were a couple, um, there were a couple um, stages like that where there's a really distinct flow, but there's one target that makes you depart that and then re-enter that. And I, I think that that's good, but it, it should be logical um, and it shouldn't be overly ornate. Like I've I've done some memory stages in um, in like at Rio that I know the guy that sets that set them up, and it's like you gotta be freaking Einstein. Like you can shoot one target from here and two targets from here, but then one target, there's like eight different shooting boxes for like 12 targets. And it's just like, it, it's everything is obscured and behind barrels. I'm like, I get it, but I don't get it because you're not testing marksmanship. None of the shots were hard. You're testing um, memory. You're testing someone's ability to memorize the stage, which I think is, that's not, to me, that's not shooting. That's a freaking memory game. So, but on, on the stage design part, it should flow. It should, you shouldn't have, I think another thing too, cause I saw it in the uh, nationals sh- shit. It was a while back. It's like 2017. 
there were a bunch of people that got DQ'd on a stage because they put like a 180 trap. They put mm -hmm. a really, really, really bullshit 180 degree shot where you're standing at the at the begin at, at the front of a building, like you're getting ready to go into a facade. And if you step a little bit deeper, like you're right up against the doorway and you shoot across, you broke the 180 theoretically. I thought it was complete crap. And I watched them DQ a, uh, a guy from Canada who's a really good shooter, send him back home. And everybody was like, no, he didn't violate the 180. It, and it was a big fight. And that ties into the RO part. And it was like a big shit show. I think the 180 trap stuff is stupid. I think it's absolutely stupid and bullshit. You take it about 10 degrees off. If you break out of a one, if you go towards, if you're within, if you're at 170, that should be as far as the targets go. You're going to 180, then it becomes subjective for an RO. And truthfully, a lot of the ROs that I've, that I've watched, um, do not do that 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 well a job when it comes to something that's that close because they can't be everywhere. Now there's some just bad ROs, but most of them it's really hard from the angles they're at. If it's right at the 180 to call a 180 or not, because it may look like it, but it wasn't. But it's only one perspective. So it's like those stage designs to me. Yeah, you want it. You you want to make sure that people <clears throat> can control their gun. But why would you set a stage up with a 180 trap? I think it's stupid. That is absolutely freaking stupid. Um, it serves no purpose on the marksmanship side. It's a, it's a, it becomes a subjective call um, that. And then on the, on the, like I shot out in, in Washington state for a long time and you have guys set up matches and it was a three yard hoserama, like a bank of three targets at three yards. And then a bank of four targets at five yards. And then I'm like, I just spent $9 in freaking ammo to shoot at five yards max. I think it, like those were, those ones are on the stage design side. They should be logical. They should be reasonable and they should they should have some component skill, you know, um, either requirement or emphasis at certain parts. Like this is the precision part of the stage. This is the speeds part of the stage. Okay, we go from the speed to precision or precision to speed to see if you can change gears. There should be some sort of test to it, not just random targets thrown out and like because that's what you want to do. And I've seen a lot, a lot, a lot of those on local matches. <clears throat> Chris. Yeah things that i've seen on uh as far as that one track goes and it's a little bit more at least i've seen it more uspsa matches uh is that they will have their assistant ro stand right where the 180 trap is so that way mm -hmm. they know you break the one by pointing the pistol at them by going 181 which is mm -hmm. ridiculous yeah. uh yes they want to um yeah make sure you broke the 180 by putting themselves in the line of fire essentially Here, just real quick yeah. on that, bro. Just real quick. That one in the Nationals, they didn't have the guy. One, if I were the assistant, I wouldn't have stood there. But his assistant was basically were two guys at, at 90 degrees and the shooter was over here. So nobody could really tell. That was the problem mm -hmm. with it. When, he, when like The only way you could tell is what you're saying. If he was standing over there, which nobody wants to do. And then it became it came down to the RO and the assistant RO. The assistant RO said, I didn't see anything. The RO said, yeah, you broke the 180. We called uh, freaking the match director down. Every single person on the squad said he did not break the 180. And they said, tough luck. My RO says he broke the 180. You're out. So it's like, that's mm -hmm. what I'm saying. When you do a 180 trap, you set that up for either one, an unsafe situation if you've got an assistant RO, or two, some guy getting jacked who has to fly back to Canada, who it probably cost him 2,500 bucks to come to the match. So it's like, that's why I look at that. It's kind of a pet peeve because I watched the dude who was, a, he was on my squad. He's a friend of mine, get, get, get jerked around and lose, basically waste 2,500 bucks because of a poor stage design and then rigid ROs. You know, I got to say like whenever that's, that's the huge difference between three gun and USPSA, mm -hmm. you know, I, 
USPSA, they have, you know, they do a lot of things right, but they do a lot of things wrong. And you definitely mm -hmm. do have a lot of ROs that are, let's see how many people I can DQ this, this match. Yeah. And, and, you know, oh, whereas, yeah. in, whereas in three gun, you know, we all understand, you know, the importance of safety. Uh, mm -hmm. And we take safety extremely important. But we also understand, uh, you know, and this me being an RO and been doing it pretty much since I got started, uh, understanding that this person spent a lot of time and a lot of money to come to this match. And so let me I better be absolutely sure that they did something wrong before I am going to DQ them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I have I got DQ'd in Prado shooting out in California at a, a like a one of the major matches there that they have. It's like a I forgot what it is. It's it's a big match. I got DQ'd. I was on video, okay, and you can see that I didn't break the 180. And I'm like, I'm on video. There's no way I broke the 180. No freaking way. And the RO's like, nope, you broke the 180. Everybody on the squad, he didn't break the 180. Call the match director over. It's on video. Sorry, we can't look at that. Like that kind of stuff. It's like. That, that's where you get the, the subjectivity part of it and the, the, the rigidity go back to USPSA. I think USPSA has a bunch of people that are ROing that, that I have seen that are, there's some really, really good ones. There's some really mediocre ones. And that, that kind of, it kind of affects how you shoot. Like I've shot matches. And I'm like, Oh geez, that guy's ROing. I better be super freaking careful because it, I mean, anywhere close to the 180 broke the 180. I watched him DQ a couple people. Um, and so it's like, again, we, we start talking stage design ties into the ROs. If you're going to make stages with a lot of, a lot of really close 180 shots, you got to have good ROs or you wind up DQing people that shouldn't be DQ'd. And you're now you're, now you're degrading the sport. Now people are going back on, I didn't want to go out there. I don't want to pay, you know, 25 or 50 or 80, or I go to a major and, you know, hundreds of dollars to get, you know, basically tricked into like trick fucked into a 180 like that's why i think it's stage design and ro's go they're not they're not separable because you can't have one that's really aggressive and have an ro that can't do the job well otherwise people get jerked around chris i i, I don't think you were necessarily done so sorry yeah sorry about that. that i got i got on a tirade <laughs> now nah, i can tell it's a, a, a heartfelt subject um yeah i mean that was pretty much all i had on that uh that particular instance of where there will be ROs that uh, put themselves in immediate physical danger so that they can DQ somebody for breaking the 180, which is, uh, I don't care that much about the 180, somebody breaking that in order to look down the muzzle of a pistol. Um, I will say on the, like each side obviously has uh, goods and bads, but uh, on the multi-gun side, I've seen, um, because you don't have as clear of a structure or as clear of a rule book across the matches um, or uh, formally trained ROs, even though there can be formally trained ROs in USPSA who are uh, not very proficient. Um, but there's, I've seen it where ROs will be much more hesitant to make a call, uh, even when something is very dangerous uh, and people get away with that, which can end poorly uh i haven't seen that in poorly yet but people are a lot more hesitant there and will allow things to become more dangerous like i've looked down muzzles and people want to give them more on the local uh, match level they want to have them like give them a stage dq and then have them shoot the next ones like hey this guy's like brand new bless his heart 
um, and we'll work with them and maybe you could like work with them on the side. But the next stage, he then also broke the 180 again pretty blatantly and then was DQ'd. It's like, I don't think we need to look down a muzzle twice when you're standing behind them for a DQ. But those are kind of one-off situations. Uh, I think we got pretty far off the stage design there, though. On the we we kind of start bleeding it. I mean, uh, we're, it, it we're all gonna... kind of blends into each other. Yeah, yeah. I, I came up with some criteria. Um, but yeah, we kind of got into like the competitive level of the match. Um, but a few points that you guys hit on the low, Mike, you mentioned like the local matches where it's just like stand and deliver, move to another box, stand deliver. That shit I can do on the range of my own time. I yes. don't want to pay for you to set that up for me. Um. The way I look at a good stage is that it should be like a puzzle for me to solve. It shouldn't be too puzzle-like and it shouldn't be too, uh, for lack of a better term, smooth-brained. I shouldn't just be gliding through it, just hosing open targets. I want like, I want some critical thought applied. So what Mike was talking about is, yes, give me some easy targets, but throw some technical targets in there too and make me change speeds. Um, kind of like Formula One racing, like there's there's stretches where you're building up speed, but there's also turns and all the other stuff maneuvering around other drivers. Like I want a little bit of both. That's what I'm here to, that's what I'm here to enjoy. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, kind of also on the stage design, uh, aspect of it too, uh, stages that give you options, you kind of hit it, yes. uh, in terms of, you know, box A to box B. No, that's just, that's, that's bullshit. And on the, on the multi-gun side, uh spe specifically three gun don't create a stage where you know i'll put it like this and i you know i'm very i'm very upfront whenever it comes to jason byerly matches because he does such a great fucking job you know we, we kind of we call him the three gun master in a sense like he 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 gives you stages that give you gives you options but he's also cognizant of the fact that you can shoot these stages uh, and you're going to be racking your brain in so many different ways that he also does give you some stages that are just straightforward. That way you're not thinking as hard because when you're shooting a six or a nine or a 10 stage match where you are constantly thinking of different ways and different options of trying to shoot that match, you are leaving that match with your brain, like kind of melted. Like your, your brain is hurting at that point. You're exhausted. You're mentally and physically exhausted. So he breaks it up by giving you some stages where you have those options and you can kind of run however you need to. And then he also gives some to where it's like mentally, you're not having to think nearly as hard by what it is that you're going to do. So, you know, having again, that flow to where you have the ability to make your own decisions. I can understand that um, sometimes there are very straightforward stages that people will design because they want to isolate a certain skill. So mm -hmm. like a lot of times USPSA, I think uh, Multigun does it sometimes too, um, where it's like, okay, I want to see if this guy can shoot weekend. I don't think every stage should have weekend, but that's like they'll do standard stages and stuff like that. I understand not incorporating a lot of other aspects and having a straightforward stage when you want to see if somebody can do that. Yeah, um, here's another aspect, too. And I was actually talking to Mark Yackley about this a, a couple days ago, um, you know, thinking of matches in terms of what is most beneficial for service members, you know, for us, for Marines, you know, for others, uh, you know, Army, you know, Navy, Coast Guard, whatever. Um, what 
what kind of matches do we want to go to as Marines? That's going to bring out that proficiency and those skill sets that we do as Marines. And then what do we want to do just as normal people going to a match, just trying to have fun, you know, some that can just, we're not having to move as far because as a Marine, I want those natural terrain matches. I want things that are going to push me physically, yeah. mentally, and I'm moving long distances for a purpose, not just running to run, but I am moving with the purpose, trying to get these targets because when you're going to combat, you know, you're not necessarily knowing where, where the enemy is. So it's having you search for targets in a logical format. Yeah. I agree. I think it's the physicality part of it. Um, it. It either appeals to some people or repels others. But I think having good at that, that PCSL match that uh, Max the Grandest runs, there's a lot. There's like little jungle lanes and stuff. They're, they're all purposeful. Um and there's long shots and short shots and, you know, there's a, there's a lot, there's good difficulty. There's some just, you know, pure speed stuff, but it's, it's a good balance. Um, but I know that there are people that don't want that. I think that's that particular match for a freaking Oh three, like a, that, that match out of the PCSL match is great. Cause it's a lot of running. It's a lot of terrain. You're running down in little gulches and, you know, uh, crawling through tubes and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's like, it's just Oh three heaven with a gun, man. I think it's great. Some people don't like that because they don't want to crawl around and run a jungle lane. So there's a, a different flavor to it, but I, I, I believe it, it forces, um, it forces more skills out of you because you've got longer shots. You've got, you know, standing shots. They had one where it was, um, it was like a, it looked like a, a BC with the center, um, with a, a heart plate on it. Yep. And you, you have to shoot that. It was like 50 yards or something like that between 50 and 70. And if you miss it, um, that's that's if you hit it, that's a, a bonus for 20 points. Each miss is a um is a is a penalty, is a 10 point penalty. Mm. So basically, if you get two misses and then get a hit, you you zero it out. So it's like stuff like that where you got now you got to decide: can I make that shot? Like, can I? There's some decision making, you know, which I think was kind of cool because there's a level of skill that's hard. But the matches like that, I love matches like that. I mean, and I like for a, for for like I said for an O three that that's friggin' awesome. Some people don't want that; they want more of the stand and deliver with a little bit more difficulty. So, I mean, as far as the match design goes, um, I think it's it's really it's going to be hard to pick something out for everybody. But I think on the military side, anybody anybody that that's that side field courses, you know, like jungle lane kind of stuff, whether it's pistol rifle or both or pistol rifle shotgun, that is definitely the best. Um, so that kind of goes into the next subject of match props and that can be anything from tank traps to barricades to to cars to having you know uh bear traps and, and you know poppers where it has what is it the the rappel line where it has a a, a target come down like a rope mm -hmm. or something like that like uh what do you look for in terms of that one thing that and this is kind of like match props slash target uh targetry um is that the visual representation or presentation is the same throughout the match or as close as it can be. Uh, I know there's some debate. Sometimes matches like won't paint targets uh, or sometimes matches will paint targets at the beginning, but they won't touch them again throughout. Uh, and there's going to be some inconsistencies because we're playing this sport outside. Like you can't control everything. You can be shooting in almost yeah. a tornado and then the calm, like that's not going to be consistent. Uh, but 
trying to avoid uh, like setting a target in an area that's going to be shaded during one part of the day and not shaded during the other part of the day. Mm -hmm. um, or yeah. if you are going to paint target, ha have a consistent time frame that you paint them. Or if it's really hard to see for everybody, at least it's like consistent for everybody. So that's all that really matters. Mike? I just, um, consistency apparatus, like you said. I mean, I, I've seen stuff that that it's swingers that were inconsistently set up that swing at different rates. Like legitimately, you can tell the difference. Um, yeah. the, the stuff that like exact same same stuff you said. I, I didn't get your name, but anyway. Um, oh, it's Chris same, Scott. Yeah. Okay, Chris. Same stuff Chris said. Like <clears throat> some of it, you just kind of get jacked because of um, you're either facing into the sun or not. But different times of the day, different sun shining on different things in different ways has a has a distinct effect. Um, you see that too when you like if you shoot steel matches during the day versus at dusk. If you're shooting irons or dots or like, there's a lot of stuff that comes into play. I think just overall, it's just the consistency of it. First of all, the apparatus, um, the the the. Um, the reasonableness of what you're doing. I mean, if, if it's, if it's super easy to having a, you have a giant really fully exposed swinger, then what, why are you even wasting the time doing that? You might as well just have a no shoot in front of it and you got to shoot ahead at 20 yards instead of a full, you know, metric that's going like this. I'm like, Hey, you know, it starts to take more time to set up, but it's got to make sense. It's got to be logical. It's got to be consistent. Um, and there shouldn't be a radical difference, you know, throughout times of day. So it's basically, you know, mirroring what he said. Right. Yeah, I am all about the consistency. And for me, I think that's a huge feather in the cap of in terms of staff reset. So the few uh, matches that can get away with staff reset, that's a benefit, right? You have the same people setting that prop every single time. Mm -hmm. And they can they they see it, so they see the changes in terms of it wearing or falling out of calibration, and they can fix it. When you have a when you have competitors resetting every stage. Um, that competitor is looking at that thing for the first time throughout that day, and it's going to change every time they shift out squads. Um, so I'm everything that you guys said, I completely agree. Uh, did you have anything else to add, Matt? You know, I look at it in terms of also what kind of props are you giving me? Um, you know, and basically, re without repeating everything you said, yes, consistency is a huge part, but okay, am I going to be able to shoot from a moving vehicle? Um, you know. That's that's something that's a really, you know, from at a major match perspective, like I want to I want to do something I don't normally get to do at my range. Mm -hmm. And that's that's something I do look at in terms of when I go to a major match. And do I do I get to shoot out of something I don't normally see anymore? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, Memorial three gun or, you know, Battle for the South Fall Brawl. Uh, I don't think Fall Brawl, but Battle for the South and, and Memorial three gun, you know, you I've consistently shot out of a moving vehicle there and there are specific ways to be accurate uh, and hit your targets without pushing past that. If you don't do it, if you don't ever really practice it, you're not going to hit all your targets. You know, if you hit a bump, you know, me and Chris experienced this last year, we hit a bump uh, on one of the stages where we're moving from the vehicle. And we thought we hit it, but no, that, that round went just below the target and we didn't even know. Um, I didn't think I hit it. Huh? Yeah. I said, I didn't think I hit it and I had shot like half a mega it, but yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, you know, do you know, another cool aspect, like, is there kind of, uh, you know, they had a helo prop at Memorial, you know, you got to shoot out of a Huey, uh, not moving, but you know, they had that, you know, you got to shoot out of a plane there. Like it, 
you know, and then that kind of goes back to whenever I shot Blue Ridge three gun championship, when that was held at Rock Castle shooting center, all those years ago, that was another one of those matches. Okay. Now I'm having to go across a rope bridge or I'm having to go across a slack line or I'm shooting on a reverse rooftop, um, you know, or I'm shooting from a golf cart, you know, it brings up different, uh, different, different elements that you don't normally ever see at a local match setting. Uh, so I, I look at, I, I look at match props uh, in, in saying, what am I going to be getting out of this? And what, what's, what's the depth of the match going to be? And what's that reset going to look like? To go off your uh, kind of like cheating out of the plan and stuff. It's interesting that some of those match props, like, in reality, you could achieve the same thing by putting some fault lines on the ground. Like when we were shooting out of that plane, uh, it's like obviously not flying or anything. You could have, we could have set up fault lines on the ground and a little port to shoot out of or shoot out the window. Uh, but just the fact that you're running through an aisle of an airliner, like it introduces a fun aspect. That's, I mean, that's a huge part of why I shoot. Like I want to be good at shooting guns, but I'm paying for interaction. <laughs> too so it's yeah. just like to have those props and yeah. uh, you, you know you just remind me of something else like with those match props like shooting around a car and you know if i can't shoot over the car and all i can do is engage from under the car you know like i remember one of my first blue ridges we we could only shoot uh the the stage brief said shoot the 300 yard targets from the right shoulder laying down uh, underneath the car or right behind the car and shoot from underneath. And then you have to switch over to your weak side and do the same thing. It's getting you to be uncomfortable and take shots that you aren't normally doing. And it's teaching you how to fight around a vehicle. So uh, whenever it comes to rules, rules and scoring transparency, uh, we've kind of already hit this some, but I know USPSA is very structured and very rigid, but whenever you get into the multi-gun facet, most people prefer that it stays an outlaw. Like they don't want some kind of organiz yeah. or organizing body. And I get why, you know, three gun nation is as beautiful of a thing as it was. It also ruined a lot of things. Um, mm. so, but what that brings up is you're going to matches where there's always different rules, uh, and there's always different changes. Um, so what's your, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, Chris, if you want to start this. I uh, so I do like the, I love USPSA cause I know I can get into a similar thing no matter where I go. Granted there's downsides to it. And I like the, um, variability of multi-gun because you can experience a lot more different things depending on whose matches you decide to go to. Uh, I think the important part and the successful matches that have been running for a long time, so like uh, Superstition uh, Three Gun, like they have a posted rule book that's been vetted over multiple um, matches or multiple years where they've made practical changes to it. So you have like a, a well-vetted rule book and then you have a group of ROs that knows that rule book uh, and it's posted ahead of time. So you can read the rule book ahead of time and the ROs know the rule book. Like any um, rules that you fall under, you really don't have anything to complain about because you know what you're getting into before it. 
So I think just actually posting it up and actually following it is the biggest thing. Mike? No, just just things that are um, rule books that, have, that don't have any ambiguity in them because that's mm -hmm. where yeah. people either feel like they get screwed or they want to argue. It's like, it just it should be straightforward. I mean, I don't care what the rule, I, I, I do care in the big picture, but I don't really care in the specificity, like exactly what the rules have to be. I just want to know what they are. So I know, you know, other than that, I've, I've been to some matches where they don't really know, or that, you know, it's, it's, um, it, there's, there's too much left open. And then you get sea lawyers out there and everybody's trying to find a, you know, a way to get around the system kind of thing. But I, the, that real thing, real, they have for the, for the, um, their three gun stuff, they've got great ROs and they've got a very, like they've been doing it a long time and they've got so many good shooters. That is, that is a perfect, like a model for it. Cause they've got that shit down. Mm -hmm. Frank. Yeah. Um, this kind of brings back uh, something that Chris said about like rules being enforced unevenly or just maybe not being there at all. In terms of safety at local matches, um, if it's a lot of buddy buddy systems and you're getting, you're letting, because let, let's be real, uh, there are going to be some shooters that show up to these matches because they want to get better and because they, they just got into gun ownership. And we should absolutely be applauding that. We should be supporting that. But sometimes those individuals are just, they're not safe gun handlers. Um, mm -hmm. But it's not good to let them continually get away with bad practices without at some point you gotta you, you you're gonna have to enforce a rule you're gonna be like, hey, like it's not we can't continue to enjoy our sport uh in a safe manner with you participating. So you gotta figure some stuff out on your own before you come back. Um I actually got a follow-on question for the group. Um have you guys seen that typically I'd say mostly local matches, if there's pretty good like competitive parity and like good shooters at that match. Does the, is that usually indicative that the guys that are rowing that match are going to be pretty decent as well? I think at the, uh, at the local level, um, more so because those are the guys are rowing. Uh, I don't know. I've seen some pretty bad ROs at nationals. Um, so that's that's different because. I think at the local match, like the guy who's winning the match, he might be helping our own squad, right? But the mm -hmm. problem, I think, with major matches is that if you're a really good shooter, it's a disadvantage for you to shoot on staff day. You're absolutely it, it right. Is. And yeah. and a lot of a lot of people who RO major matches are people that are new to the sport and they want to yeah. do something that's more at an affordable level. Not yes. saying that's every single one of them. But like, okay, Chris Wiseman, uh, he's a local North Carolina shooter. Uh, he is one of those guys. He is the grandfather of ROs or the father. You know, I don't want to, you know, he's 40, 47, I think. Uh, you know, he's not that old, but he, he always ROs matches uh, every major match. And that's just who he is. You know, he makes it, you know, he's, a, he, he's, he's on a cop salary. Uh, I don't think he does it because of that, but that's he enjoys the aspect of meeting everybody at a match. Uh, yes. and, and but the 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 real majority of people that RO are your newer shooters. Yeah. So I guess what I see is like at your level two and above matches, specifically for USPSA, you are going to get two groups of people. You get like the perpetual career ROs who tend not to be that great of shooters. I'm talking about like the C to D class shooter. 
um, that mm-hmm. like it's more of a tourism thing for them, I guess. Um, but it's also the fact that like if you're shooting on staff day, you're sen- you're essentially being a guinea pig for that for that match, right? Mm-hmm. Like if there's something wrong with the match, you are the person that's going to suffer because it's not going to affect the actual people who are going to be shooting in the days after you. Um, but what I'm getting at is like if you're looking for and like I think most of this episode we're trying to direct <laughs> listeners towards how do you how do you find like what a good local match and a l- little bit about major matches but for a mm-hmm. good local match usually if there are really good individual shooters there and they're talented and they've dedicated a lot of time to the sport usually those guys are going to make pretty decent ROs as well um now there's there may be some warts there like some of the good shooters aren't good coaches and they're not very helpful um but for the most part I have been the beneficiary of good shooters who are also good at ROs who are willing to help out new shooters. That's kind of why I brought that up. So this is this, you know, on the RO subject, uh, this is one thing that was kind of weird for me coming up here to Virginia, because down in North Carolina, if, you know, whether it was a Carolina guns gear zoo city match, or whether it was Tar Heel three gun match, um, you, they treated the ROs, you know, ROs got free match entry you know, but they were dedicated ROs for local matches. Whenever I came up here to Virginia, whether I shot Shadowhawk, Thurmont, wherever, um, you know, even at Quantico, it's like there were no there were no dedicated ROs. The timer, the tablet switched between individuals. And I didn't I don't necessarily like that fact. I like having dedicated ROs. Because now you know you're going to be getting consistency across the board with one, uh, you know, from one RO to the next RO that's dedicated to RO you. Yeah, that's if it's possible. I, th- I think that's great, but it's not always feasible mm-hmm. in every format. Yeah. Uh-huh. Manpower getting getting dedicated ROs like that is a manpower issue. One and two. Back to what you were first saying. Um, I, I like I'll look at matches if I've never been to a match before. I'll look at the match breakdown and see who signed up. And if there's, you know, a bunch of, you know, a class and above people, you know, there's, there's some GMs in there. There's a bunch of masters. And then there's like, most of the people are a class. And then there's only a couple, I will normally, you know, I, I'll, I'll have a, an affinity for that. I'll go, that's going to be, that'd be a pretty cool match because you've got talent there and you're not going to have a bunch of masters and some GMs and a bunch of a class shooters go to a crap match. They're just not going to waste the time. So that usually is kind of indicative of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Now, uh, what do you guys look at in terms of price? We'll start with locals, but I think also in terms of majors, I think it's a it's it, it's a good thing to talk about in terms of price for major matches. So, um, Mike, what are you willing to pay for a good local? And then, you know, what are you willing to pay for for a good major? Well, it's I mean, if you look at um, should I the most of the locals that I've shot have been like twenty five to forty dollar matches i haven't shot anything much higher than that i figure if it's a if it's a good if it's if it's a well set up match you know 10 bucks a stage if it's five stages it's 50 dollars ish or below i mean that's on the high side but i haven't i haven't spent a lot of money i mean what the stuff i shoot out here in utah when i shot in tucson was 25 bucks and i thought that's i thought that was reasonable because you've got ranges and set up and people have to work you know majors you're going to get depending on the the level of quality of the match, I understand it's going to be, you know, a couple hundred dollars up. I mean, it's not going to be inexpensive, but I, I don't, I don't, you know, um, I, I, I have to look at the, like, I look at the match and they have the breakdown, what it, you know, where, where, 
where it is, who's running it, what level of match it is. Um, is it is it a two gun, three gun? You know, what is what's the format? And then look at it. like real matches are worth the money. I mean, there's a few a couple of them, what two hundred fifty, three hundred dollars, something like that. I think for um, for superstition, what is that now? I haven't shot it in a, in a long time, so I've I'm shot like it in four years. So. Last time I saw it, three fifty. Yeah, but totally that's that's what that's what the that, that's I mean, if you're looking at everything that I've seen, every major that I've seen has been two fifty and above. So when I, the last time I shot it was 300 actually, and when I shot it at uh, at Rio, so I think that's I think it's reasonable. They've got great props and all that. So I think that's if you're looking at that, that's an that's an investment obviously for some people, but that's also on the competitive side. That's where you go. To, that's where you find the best competitors. That's where you see what you got. Um, a local match isn't worth five dollars if it's a you know a bank of three targets at three yards followed by a bank of four targets at five yards, and it's not worth it. So again, it's kind of measure you know measuring them out but 25 bucks for a local match and then depending on where what what your you know um sectionals or um you know uh areas provide you know you're getting 100 plus dollars obviously 100 200 300 so i mean it's hard like i said it's hard for me to evaluate because i i don't shoot that many majors you know i haven't re- recently um so i'm kind of like I'm, I'm i'm not probably not the greatest judge of that chris um, so back when I had a job, I was willing to pay a lot more for matches. Uh, but yeah, now I'm unemployed a little lower. Um, unemployed, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say for major matches, kind of to go off what Mike said, I I don't care that much about the price unless it's something like astronomical. Like if it's six hundred bucks, yeah, I'm gonna look a little, a little closer. But I've been to bad matches that are hundred fifty bucks. I'd gladly pay a hundred dollars more, two hundred dollars more, because you're paying for the travel, you're paying for the ammo. The match fee is actually yeah. kind of a minor part of the overall expense when you're going to the major match. Um mm-hmm. and then yeah, local matches. Uh, I think I've paid like fifty at uh Paula most recently. Um, but if you get a good day of shooting, I think fifty is worth it. That's kind of high on the high end. Like if I was mm-hmm. doing that yeah. four days a week, that'd kind of suck. Or four days a month. Um, but you Paula, as in in California. Yeah, California. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, that's because it's in California too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's the California surplus. And then you pay yeah. like more gas to get there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, just like Tucson and Utah match like twenty five bucks. So I think that's a great, great level yeah. for it to be. I will say one thing about Paula, at least they're, and I think they do in their USPSA too. Uh, but their multi-gun, they had paid setup crew, uh, and they had a guys, and that, I thought that turned into really good, uh, stages too, because you had a mix of guys that were paid to set up the stage and paid to tear down the stage and design the stage. Mm -hmm. They had an incentive to actually put out some good work, uh, and stages, and you had a variety of people. So you weren't shooting the same kind of, um, coming from the same guy's head for the whole match. So I thought yeah. I was glad to pay a little bit more for that. Frank. Yeah. I'll echo Chris's sentiment. The, the match fee isn't usually isn't a prohibitive factor for me. Um, I just, I basically paid my way throughout uh, most of the pistol team summer season. And um, mostly when I was 
worried about was, uh, you know, being economical with my lodging, my travel, all that other stuff, transporting ammo. Um, yeah, like Chris said, the match fee ends up being the least of it. I'd say for a local 25 to 30 is about right. You are going to pay that California surplus uh, if you're shooting in California. Um, but that we're talking about Pala, that is a very quality match. And I'm sure we'll talk more about it when we get into the regions. Um, I think from my perspective, I... I look more at like, if we're looking at cost, like what's it going to cost me in terms of time? And we, we're going to talk about travel later, but if if a match has a reputation for being terribly run and inefficient, that is going to more likely drive me away than uh, having a high cost. Yeah, no, I agree with all those points there. Um, you know, major match, if I know what I'm getting, you know, I'm going to pay the money. Uh you know, ran into a situation last year uh, where the Marine Corps shooting team was planning on going to, I think it was the Wyoming governor's match. The last time it was ran by a certain organization. And I saw, you know, I saw the team had its, had, had it planned to go to that match. And I looked, I, I looked it up because I knew it was declining in quality and, 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 participation so i looked it up and i was like okay so i see that the match fee here is like 250 300 you know it's at a different location and there's only 30 people registered now so i went over to the you know the staff and so i see the action shooting team at the time and i was just like hey why are you guys going to this match he's like well what do you mean i was like he's like i've heard it was a great match i was like okay one, I recognize somebody is from that area, so they're wanting to go to a match that's near their hometown. And I was like, that's great and all. But before you make a decision to go there, like, let's let's look at the numbers. Look at how many people are participating. Look at the declining factor of all their matches. And then look at what you're actually getting, you know, and whenever he saw all those factors, he's like, you're absolutely right. Like I'm not going to participate in this. And we're, the team is not going to participate in this. And so it, it's, it's kind of, and I know we're kind of going into like, how do you determine? Uh, but you know, those are some of the factors I look at whenever I'm, I'm willing to pay money. You know, if, if it's one of those like classic, okay, let's go out to superstition. Let's go out to Rocky mountain let's go to hard as hell. Let's go, you know, let's go to one of these major matches. That's, that's been around for so long. And like when people think of three gun, those are some of the matches that they think of. Okay. I'm willing to go to those and I'm willing to pay the money for them. So uh, we're kind of going into what I just talked about, but so Chris, Mike, and Frank have both lived on East Coast, West Coast, where I've spent the majority of my time here on the East Coast. Um, we've all traveled across the country to shoot, but before we commit to going to a match in another state or across the country, what is your process of elimination and determining if you're going to attend a match or not, Chris? Uh, so I'll look at, like you talked about, the registration numbers. Um if there's actually going to be heat there too. Uh, so sometimes they have it kind of hidden where you can look, but like a lot of the good shooters under like reserve spots, so you can't see their name 
Uh, I think sometimes you can hover over each one, which is a pain in the butt to try and figure that out. Um, but yeah, what to see if like is AMU going? Uh, would be an easy one because they're typically not going to go to a match that um isn't very well represented. Uh, and then now that I'm having to pay for more stuff, first when I was on the team, uh, like how easy is it to get there? Um, but if it's a really good match, it doesn't matter that much. Um, and now also look like proximity, like. I'm on the West Coast now again. I'm going to be sticking probably to the West Coast a little bit more for matches just because it's a lot cheaper to drive uh, and bring my own hotel than to so Since I have a job now, you want me to travel out to you just so we can go to a match together? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike. That's the process. I, uh, I, just, I just, I know a bunch of people that are, you know, pretty pretty accomplished on that shoot a lot that's all they do is shoot i'll just pick up the phone and call i'll look at a match i'll look at you know who's who's you know who signed up for it right then i'll look at the overall numbers like i if i get on practice score and get geeky i'll just go backwards and go is it declining or is it increasing or is it about the same and is it fully staffed and then i'll just call some guys that i know and go hey man what like do you know anything have you shot this yeah i've shot it before it sucked or yeah i've shot before it's freaking baller i'm gonna go again this year and like it's a lot of word of mouth um, and I'll find somebody that shot it last year. Like if they shot it three years ago, okay, that's cool. But a lot of things can change in three years. So I, I get recent, you know, a, a recent freaking AAR basically on it from a legit competitive shooter. And that's, that usually tells me everything I need to know. And they'll usually tell me, oh yeah, the hardest shot was 367 up on the Hill and it's an eight inch plate. And like, they'll, they'll, they'll give me some, some dope on the whole match, but it's a, I, I'm overwhelmingly do it word of mouth. It's, it's, it's it, that to me is the best way to do it. How you, Frank? So it's a couple of things. It's the personality of the match. Um, is it going to be a well-run match? And I think what was really cool about hopping on with the pistol team summer schedule is that uh, Scott Raider knows a lot of these matches and he knows which ones are quality. Uh, he knows a lot of match directors by name. So uh, I kind of trusted him to kind of like put together the schedule and I just hopped along and um, got exposed to a lot of really great matches as a result. Um, but I think even more important is are, are my friends going to be there? I want to shoot with the boys. And if it sucks, if, if either the match sucks because the match sucks or because the weather sucks or something else, I want to at least like suffer with good company. Good point. So another thing that I do is, you know, in three gun is a rel like the guys who travel to good matches. Uh, it's a small community. And so kind of like what Mike does, you know, hopping on the phone, calling somebody. I do a lot of that myself, but I also hop on Facebook and, you know, everybody, you know, all the three gunners know that there's a three gun meme page where we all roast each other. But there's also a three gun information uh, and events page and a three gun talk page that Dave Hartman runs. And so you can kind of, you know, and Chad Swart out, he'll put together like a, a major match list on an Excel document, you know, given when it, when it's going, how much it costs, who's the match director, you know, all their contact information. And so I'll look at those lists, kind of pick out a schedule of what I want. And, and nowadays, like I, you know, much like Scott Raider, you know, I know everybody and anybody and I can just 
pick up a phone and call the match director. They're going to know who I am. Um, and then I'll call people who, who do plan on going to that. And it's like, Hey, what's skinny on this? Uh, what am I getting into? Um, you know, and I do kind of an evaluation like that, but I, you, you can find out a lot on Facebook. You can find out a lot, but by, by just picking up a phone. Yeah. Just side note on that. Like some of the ones that some of the good info to get as well, if you're, do, if you, if you can do that is, you know, what's the longest shot, what's the hardest shot. Do I need glass? Can I run a dot? Like different, there's, there's, there's some, there's some peculiars as you get deeper into the game. Like, Hey, do I, do I need a one to six or can I just run a red dot on there? Mm-hmm. So that, that those little things make a difference. I think. Oh, I agree. You tell your gun. Yep. Yeah. Um, so this is more for the local matches. Um, what is everybody's average distance uh, or time that they're willing to spend in a vehicle to go to a good local match? Mike, if you want to start it up. Outside of one exception, I would say for me, it was when I was in Tucson driving up to Rio was 90 minutes. So it was, that was kind of my standard was 90 minutes. Um, I'll, I'll drive down to St. George from where I am. I live in Utah now. I'll drive down to St. George for a good match because the, the PCSL matches are freaking great. They're awesome matches. So that's worth a drive. That's like a three-hour drive. I could dr- literally drive down, shoot it, and drive back and get back late, or I can just spend the night in a hotel. But it's it, that's that's an anomalous one. That's that's a really great match. But a local match, 90 minutes. It's got to be a good match to be 90 minutes. I got matches right now that are 10 minutes from my house. So I kind of got over. <laughs> and just to kind of add, uh, so the match he's talking about is a PCSL match held by Max Leagrandis out there in uh, Utah. So St. George. Yeah. Yep. That thing is, I'm telling you, if, if anybody listening to this, if you can get there, if you're near there, it's a great match. It's a, it's a great, and the, it brings in shooters like Max and Zach Smith and guys like J.R. Guerra from, from, you know, Terrence place, it brings in a lot of really good shooters and it's, and it's fun. And it's, it's, a, it's a, it's the, to me, it's the future of, of the, the action shooting sports. It's really well run. It's really well designed and it's, it's great people. There's no jackassery. Yeah. Um, PCSL is getting a lot of buzz for good reasons. It's worth noting that if you are in the Quantico or just Virginia area, that Quantico is running, I believe the PCSL match in January. Yeah, really. Sweet. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. They, they already, I like their targets too. They ordered the tar- they ordered the targets. They're ready to rock. Yep. Alex Go King's kind of heading targets. that up. Yeah. yeah. Alex Go King's heading that up. Nice. Um oh, good dude. Solid dude. Oh yeah. Chris, uh, what about you? Uh, now that, much now that you're almost homeless. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, it'd be like two hours. Um when I was single, it was like three hours when I was in California. Um, but now it's now I just don't shoot that much. Uh, so yeah, but it was uh, about two hours. It gets to be a little. Are you bit down too- by San Diego still? Um, no. Now I'm actually I'm in Tucson, so I just oh. moved here. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. But I was in San Diego a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You've got you've got two. You got three points. You've got. Pima Pistol Club, and then if you want to go up to Rio, you got tons of stuff up there. So you got some. I'm pretty excited about the area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you? Um, if you Pima Pistol Club is a good place. If you're close by it, it's a good place to train because that's where I used to shoot. And once they know that you're legit, they like you. You can pretty much do what you want. Like they don't. They've got a lot of apparatus you can use. They've got you just go in there and sign like a hundred bucks a year. It's a great. It's a great place. It's a great range. So well worth it. I'll check it out. Yeah. How about you, Frank? 
I am spoiled right now in terms of having like three quality matches within uh hour and a half of me. So Thermont, hour and a half, Quantico is 40 minutes, Fredericksburg is a little over an hour. The when I was stationed in Camp Lejeune, the farthest I would drive was uh either at Tagoshu Outdoors or Sir Walter Gun Club. And both of those were about three hour drive one way. But the it was a good enough local match that I was willing to make that drive. And I also I was pretty aggressive about getting homies to come out with me as well. Yes, yeah, so that that makes it easier if you go a long drive. Mm-hmm. Some of the free yeah. boys come with you, and it's like it's not a big, got, it's not a big it. deal. It's a mini road trip. It's awesome. Yeah, oh, yeah. So a lot of grab ass going on, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for me, I think I'm the outlier here. So I've kind of mentioned before in the past that uh, Quantico does, or the Virginia area does not have a three gun. I know Quantico, you know, Go King is going to start putting on uh, some, some three gun PCSL stuff, which is great. Uh, It makes it like a 45 minute drive for me. Um, But, you know, Peacemaker doesn't host three gun anymore, you know? Uh, So realistically, if I want to go to a match, a really, really good match, the closest one to me is down in North Carolina. Uh, and that's that's held by Zoo City Armory. And it's about a four, four and a half hour drive. But the reason why I say I'm willing to go there and drive that distance is because they are it's a legit match. It's almost like a major match on a monthly basis. And if I'm going to drive up on a Friday night, I have a place to stay on the range. You know, I, I can crash in a, in a camper there at the range. So I wake up in the morning you know, jump up and, you know, go shoot a match. And then I can drive home that night. So uh, I am willing to travel for a good monthly match. And kind of going off of that, you're like combining things too. And I think that's another like decision factor. Like you're going down for your really good friends with all those guys. Yeah. That makes it worth it. And even like going to other matches, like there might be things in the local area that you can make a whole weekend out of that you enjoy doing because, we all have other hobbies besides, yeah. well, we don't have that many hobbies besides shooting. It's kind of all consuming, yes. but we like to do other things. Yeah. 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 Like usually whenever I go down there to North Carolina, I'm going down on a Friday afternoon, evening time frame, and I'm hooking up with the boys. And then, you know, we're drinking some bourbon or watching a movie because they have a clubhouse, I guess you can say, uh, at the, at the range. You know, it's kind of just like their work area. So we have a TV there and, you know, just kind of hanging out, bullshitting. We go out to dinner together, you know, and it's a bunch of guys that either retired from the Marines or are still in the Marines uh, that are going there. And then, you know, a bunch of the third group guys, like a lot of third group guys go to that match. And, you know, one thing I love about, you know, that area is North Carolina has a lot of good heat. You know, they have a lot of solid shooters. So you're not just going to a match where it's just your local guys. You're going to a match where there is national level talent there. So you're constantly pushing yourself and you can constantly evaluate yourself against national level talent. So um, it kind of goes into our next subject. Uh, And this is going to be, you know, I kind of mentioned it. Everybody's kind of spent their amount of time east coast west coast you know southwest uh what have you so um you know i guess we can go around the table and you know kind of tell the listeners based on 
locations that we've all been in, what are some good clubs that are worth going to in those local areas? And, you know, I'll start it out with the mid Atlantic area, you know, North Carolina is not mid Atlantic, but I'll just lump it in there. Uh, Virginia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and in Virginia, you know, honestly, really good multi-gun, uh, two gun, three gun is Quantico when they do have them. It's not often that they have them, but when they do have them, they're worth going to because Alex Goking, uh, he takes a lot of what other people have put out and then he designs the stages based on what he is allowed to do on Quantico. Um, and the Pennsylvania area, you got York, Antolani, and Topton. Uh, all very solid matches. The The longest range you're really going to get out of those uh, those matches, about two, 250, uh, 250 yards, so not that much long range. But they utilize the space that's available to them and make the matches uh, challenging in their own right. And then the North Carolina area, I've kind of hit on this a lot already. You know, the Zoo City Armory out of Asheboro, you know, you have one long range stage there, but you also have, you know, that long range stage, you're getting 400 yards. And then whenever you're going into the base, you're getting a complex base stage, not just a moving from left to right or box A to box B. You are getting your options. You are you you are you able to think about what you're going to do and the cool thing about it is one person might have a completely different stage from another person, but they have the same time, same score uh, because they are that good and they're that comfortable running what they, what they're most comfortable running with. And it's a really cool aspect there. Um, And then another place there, I wouldn't say it's local, you know, a local match, but it's more moderate uh, medium match not a major but a medium level match is uh whenever john sherbert runs like uh the griffin group rumbles or the night matches there um you know uh they you know frank you've shot those matches there uh you know they're complex yeah Yeah. the the benefit of griffin group is that the layouts on that range allow them to get away with things that no other range like we're talking 360 bays uh, we're talking really good long, long range setups where you're shooting from like a two story scaffolding and all this other stuff, like shooting from the bed of a truck. Yeah. Like Griffin group, there's a lot of money there because they train a lot of military and law enforcement. That's what makes it such a great range. And the fact that Sherb runs those matches, he's also a really good match director. Yeah. And Chris and Chris and Frank, like I, I answered more of the three gun stuff, but you guys have shot USPSA here in like, in Virginia, Pennsylvania area. Um, do you have anything to add to that on the USPSA side? Frank, do you want to go first? And now you're yeah. Um, yeah. So the current circuit in Virginia, um, my local the locals that I will go to over and over, Quantico, Fredericksburg, and then I'll go up to Maryland for Thurmont. So I am living in Manassas. So it's like that. Those are the closest ones to me. Um, when I shot in North Carolina, the locals that I was willing to travel to, uh, Sir Walter, which is in Raleigh, Pitt County, which is in uh, Greenville, North Carolina, Low Country, and this is the odd one. It's on the border of North Carolina, and South Carolina, and it's weird because it actually doesn't share any of the characteristics I've been talking about. Like, there's no heat, 
There's not a huge population, um, but the stages are really good. It's actually kind of sad because I think that match is dying out. But Low Country is a good one. Uh, Go Shoot Outdoors is in uh, Sanford, North Carolina. That's uh, Chris Tilley's range. He's been, you know, he's he's done a bunch of world shoots. He shoots for uh, Bull Armory. Um, he puts together some really outstanding matches. I took a JJ Rikaza class. The first day was just working with JJ. And the second day, actually, no, sorry, the third day, we shot through Chris Tilley's match. And JJ squatted with us. And he basically, like, coached us through the entire match. And that was really, um, that, that was a very valuable experience. And if you're willing to go all the way out to Charlotte, uh, Rowan County is really good too. Um, that's where they hold the state sectional most of the time. Uh, random shout out. It's not North Carolina or Virginia. I did visit my dad once in Austin. And I shot at the Austin Rifle Club in Manor, Texas, and that was a good match as well. Okay. I'll throw in a couple um, three of matches. They're not locals, but they're not crazy huge ones. You're still going to shoot them in a day. And if you live in that area, you can drive out, shoot them, and then drive back. Uh, but Mid-Atlantic Multigun Challenge. Yes. Uh, run each year. Um, it's fairly inexpensive, too, I think. It's like 100 some bucks. 150 I think. Sounds 125 right. And that was always a very fun match. Uh, it's pretty cool, too. They do a... I can't remember the name of it. I had to Google it, and I still didn't understand it. But this, like, uh, tiered payout where it's cash prizes. Uh, and you can pick like your different percentage. So like, even if you're not necessarily going to be a shooter, that's in the top 10% of the match, you can try to compete for prizes, um, cash prizes while we're in the match. Mm -hmm. uh, but they run really good stages. They have a little bit of natural terrain there. It's all within like 200 yards. Uh, so it's, that's a very fun match uh, that we enjoyed going to each year. And then another one day match uh, is the three man, three gun. Um, that's been a really fun one up in Hell Pennsylvania. Yeah. So, um, and that's same thing. It's like with the team, you're each person's paying about I think 150 bucks. 130. Uh, okay, even less. So, uh, that's uh, another fun one if you're in the local area there to get a couple buddies. And there is a wide range of skill levels. Um, so there there'll be law enforcement guys who've never shot three gun before shooting it, and there it's a pretty good environment for that. You know, uh, we've kind of talked about three man, three gun, but what I will reiterate on that is like, that's a, that's a match that doesn't have any movement and doesn't have really any complexity. Uh, what it does have is stand and deliver, like shoot your game, shoot as fast and accurate as you can and have a good time with your boys. Like you, you, you come up with your stage plan based off of your strengths. If you are a strong pistol shooter, you shoot your pistol. If you're a stronger rifle shooter, you shoot your rifle. And if you're a stronger shotgun shooter, that's what you're going to go to. And you rotate, um, you know, they have like a tag system. One person tags in, then the next person, then the next person. And you kind of come up with your stage plan based off of your strengths. Now there are times you're going to have to shoot everybody's going to be shooting the same gun. Uh, but for the most part, you can come up with stage plans based off of your strength. All right. So, um, Mike, do you have any experience with like the mid Atlantic or, or the East coast area? No, none at all. Um, all right. Georgia and Florida. Um, I don't have a whole lot of experience there, but I, you know, I shot an Atlantic three gun match. Uh, it was a state championship. 
uh, the Georgia State Championship with Scott Rader and, and some of the other guys on the team. And that was a really well-run match, and that's that's hosted by Atlanta 3-Gun, A3G. And then another really good club that a friend of mine, Scott Noonan, runs. I want to say it's East Alabama Gun Club. Uh, th- and those are relatively close to military installations in, in the Georgia area. Um, if I if I may for Georgia Florida, um, so Covington Gun Club is in the vicinity of Atlanta. Um, that's where I took my first JJ class and did actually shoot a match there. But there were there was a lot of heat there at the class that was local to the area, which was ridiculous. And every, they all spoke very highly of that match. And then uh, in Florida, I shot the Florida State match, which was down in uh, like just south of Tampa. It's actually in a really weird spot. It's a bunch of like shooting bays that's in the vicinity of a dump that's also in the vicinity of the city of Tampa. So it smells like complete ass at times, but it was a pretty good match. <laughs> You're not selling it. <laughs> it's well, also close to where JJ lives. Okay. Mixed bag. Don't then, don't don't breathe. And then Frostproof is right uh around there too at Universal Shooting Academy. Are yeah, they still doing stuff? Probably if you can get if you can make your way out to Frostproof. Yeah, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Right, right, an alligator out there. All right, so Ooh. the next the next area, and I know Chris and I had a Mike to add that one for Georgia slash Florida. Um. Oh, sorry. Yeah, just a couple like uh, I mean Universal. Even though people badmouth it on a lot of the podcasts, it seems like it's like they used to hold a ton of USPSA matches there, and people got sick of going to the middle of nowhere, Florida. Uh. I think that's one of the best ranges I've shot on for running a lot of USPSA stages because it's just a whole line of bays and it's run super efficiently. That was back when Shannon Smith was still running them, so I don't know what it's like now. I'd imagine it's pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Georgia State uh, USPSA Championship and uh, the Florida Open are really good, but those aren't necessarily local. All right, so next area is Texas and Arizona. And I know, Chris and Mike, you guys have the most experience out in that area. So, Mike, if you want to open it up. Yeah, uh, the Arizona, I mean, you start with the Mecca, you start with Rio Salado, you can shoot anything, any, like, you could shoot freaking eight matches a week. Tuesday Night Steel is great. All the, the three-gun stuff is really good, really strong three-gun. Um, even weekend matches, black rifle matches, there's – there's just just get on the website and look at it. And they're they're good matches. They're well set up. They're well run because there's so many, there's there's serious heat in that area. There's tons. You can't swing a dead cat without hitting a GM that's you know top 10 in the nationals. Like there's there is a lot of heat up there. So um and, and they don't tolerate crap matches. So uh everything in Rio Salado is really good. You've got Avery, which is right just down the road from there, Ben Avery. They run really good matches, actually. Um so that area, there's a ton of shooting you can do in the Phoenix area, just those two alone. And then down in Tucson, you've got uh, Three Points and Pima Pistol Club. Three Points is further south, and they, they actually run, you know, little local weekend matches that are, that are good. Um, Pima Pistol Club runs some runs USPSA matches that are good. So that area is um, – there's a, there's a lot of shooting within 90 miles. There's a ton. Like I, I, could have, I could shoot two matches a week every single week of every month in the, in the Tucson Phoenix corridor, uh, everything, USPSA, um, three gun, um, just rifle alone, action rifle alone. I guess you could shoot IDPA, but I don't shoot IDPA. Um, but yeah. And Tuesday night steel every Tuesday night. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, I'll leave that one alone. I'll leave that alone. <laughs> what, IDP gay? Yeah. I don't practice anymore, but. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, just a ton. I mean, I don't know, Chris, Chris, whatever, you know, on that too, but there's, there's literally, you, you won't have, you, you won't be able to shoot all the matches that you'll want to shoot. That's how many matches there are in that quarter in the Tucson Phoenix quarter. And you can go all the way up to Payson. Payson runs really good matches. You could shoot three classifier matches on just the USPSA side. You can, you can easily shoot three classifier matches a year easily. So like mm. it, there's a lot, that's how much volume there is there. Mm. Chris, you got anything to add? No, I'm new to the area. I was actually taking notes on some of those matches. So sure might cover yeah. everything only i have yeah. real slot on the rev shop but that's that's it all right so yeah. i know for texas uh a, a, in terms of a monthly basis out near austin you have the texas shooting academy which i want to say that's owned by jared halbert aaron hayes uh and steve i can't think of steve's last name but texas shooting academy does host matches there but in terms of major matches you have uh, the Texas Three Gun Championship, and then also the uh, Vortex Shootoff. Um, you know, Texas Three Gun Championship. I want to say is in April time frame. Team never did get to go out there because it was like right after championships. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, but it's a really good match, and they, that match uh, generally sells out within five to ten minutes. That's how good it is. Wow. All right, mm-hmm. so. Uh, we'll move on to California, which all three of you, I think, have some experience with. So, Frank? Yeah, got to start with Paula. That that was my introduction to shooting. Unfortunately, I made a terrible mistake, and I shot IDPA before I shot USPSA out there. Um, we can get into that origin story another time. It might be a villain origin <laughs> story, honestly. <laughs> but, um, um yeah, it, it's, it spoils you because there's good stage design. There's really good shooters out there, and they were very uh, new shooter friendly. Uh, was that also the uh, – that was also your experience as well, Chris? Yeah, yeah. It um, They took me in. That's kind of where I, I shot a Marine Corps match, and I was like, wow, that was awesome, and I wanted to shoot a lot more local yeah. matches. And that's – they were very accommodating. There's a bunch of cops and military uh, that shoot out there too, yeah. and – uh, you kind of just get hooked in the local fire and they they uh yeah. very uh, accepting of somebody like me. Uh, so let me ask you this, Chris. Um when I went to Pala, that was that was the first time I realized that nobody followed the the goddamn laws in California whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> did you also find that being a shooter in California, that that shooting community was a lot more close knit and protective of each other, just naturally, just based on the state that they were shooting in. Yeah, that um, I was kind of surprised uh, yeah. because it was all I knew at first. Um, like, oh, sweet, every place has like three matches or three local three gun matches a month yeah. uh, back in their heyday there, and um, I didn't realize how tight knit the community was until I moved to Virginia and I yeah. couldn't find a big match. And then it also felt like honestly, a lot of the uh, matches that went to Virginia, just like an outsider where everybody's kind of in their own yeah. group and nobody yeah. interacts. It's it is, like, it yeah. is totally. Oh no, it's just Paul, Paul has a, I tell you a Paula story from the, the beginning of my shooting, but um, yeah, the, the California just, because I do, I do a lot of work out in California and I shoot matches out in California and my partner, um, who's O three as well. Um, we're going to start shooting a match every month together as instructors 
So that, you know, just, just, just to kind of talk, you know, walk the talk, but uh, yeah, that community out there is super close knit. Um, yeah. And uh, I, like I, I used to shoot a Prado when um, Jojo's crew was down there. Um, mm. Jojo Vidanias. And then now they've got route 66 shooting sports park. Now I'm actually going to be shooting out there um, next month. So it's like, they, 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 but the community is super freaking tight knit and they're good people. Like I show up people I shot with eight months ago, like, Hey, what's up, man? Hey, we got, we got Gatorade and the little thing. Like it's a, it's an awesome, the California shooting crew is freaking sweet, man. They're, they're on, they're on. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And they're serious about it. Yeah. Good. There's some heat out there. Yeah. One, sure. Oh yeah. One thing I thought was cool is like, Chris, when you and I went out to Wyoming uh, a couple of years ago, you know, all your California boys, they were all like law enforcement officers. You know, I think you were the only outlier, but you are an MP. So whatever. Uh, like huge yeah. asterisk. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it's like, you know, you guys kind of continue like kind of like the whole Marine relationship. Like, you know, as soon as like you saw them, it was kind of like just it's like you guys never left each other. And it was just really cool to see like, you know, the sh- shooting community like that um where we're down on other sides of the country now but like we're still getting together and like you had you 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 still have a very close relationship with those guys out there yeah it was it's pretty neat i actually just rolled through uh we were on a road trip um so i shot there about a month ago and it was same thing like old friends right away um i will say i noticed that with you with a lot of the north carolina guys uh we're i know you spend a lot of time shooting down there and we'll run across some other parts of the country and yeah yeah pretty neat building those relationships all right so uh last area that i guess we'll talk about is the utah wyoming and colorado area um i think a couple more california ones oh okay go ahead there's also washington state okay so chris the California ones, um, this is where I shot my first three-gun match, uh, West End Gun Club. Um, and then uh, Mike Bauer, who's a pretty good three-gunner, uh, is running that match now. And I, I think that's one of the only three-gun matches in the area now because they stopped running them at Paula. Uh, so that's a, a good match. And then um, this is not like Southern California area, but Richmond Rod and Gun Club uh, mm-hmm. up by... Yeah. Um, San Francisco, San Francisco yeah. Yep. That's the one, yeah. Yeah. They I, I think they run some in San Jose as well at Metcalf. But I know Richmond, I've I've shot up at Richmond before. It's a good, that's a good club. But San Jose's got a really nice Metcalf has a really nice range complex. I'm I'm pretty sure they do some stuff up there, but I, I don't know that one for sure. I know if you go mm-hmm. further north, you got Washington State, you've got a bunch, you've got Marysville, Renton. Paul Bunyan, there's a bunch of them, and that's um where Christian's up, he's shooting up there. So there's lots of quality matches in area one in the seattle area mm. um like i said and there i shot there because i lived up there for when i was in first group so there's a lot of good a lot of good talent up there a lot of heat up there and there's good matches okay yeah i didn't think to think of washington just because i never hear anything about washington yeah. and, and we're kind like of so you got guys like christian Saylor up there like there's there's dudes that are yeah and like, wants a kid too yeah yeah wants up there yeah. that's true um, um yeah so there's I mean, another area we kind of skimmed over is the Minnesota and Wisconsin area, which, you know, Chris is familiar with that area, but you got, uh, what's it called? And Ben Stager's up there for years. Yeah, Ben's up there. Joel's yeah. up there. Joel Park. Yeah. There's a lot of, lot of heat up there. Yeah. 
So, um, what's the name of the club where they do Minnesota uh, Three Gun? Horse Lake Sportsman's Club. And yep. they're actually going to have the USPSA Multigun um, Nationals up there. Yep. I know that's a very debate for some people, but that's a uh, that's a very active club. I was surprised um, when we went through there this summer. They, you can shoot. I think they even have weeknight matches too, but they're, oh, wow. they're very active. Yeah, During the summer, I should say. During the winter not so active at that club not at much. all yeah <laughs> yeah and i think jamar villamore he's the guy who runs like the the minnesota three uh minnesota three gun group uh it just you know really good fun match to be around uh wisconsin can't think of the name of that club that we went to for the wisconsin state championship no i don't I know don't yeah. but it's right outside of madison yeah, yeah it's yeah. right outside of madison uh good time a lot of natural terrain a lot of a lot of wide open areas and a mix of bays uh natural terrain and uh and long range so that that was a good time out there um and i know they run like the monthly matches as well they um, even had a, a bullseye rifle range too so that's pretty cool yeah you can yeah. Is, is it is it cool is that is that the adjective that we're going to use to describe yeah. maybe, maybe we can shoot some ppc too that'd be awesome uh no comment yeah all right uh the last area and this is kind of mike's area too and i know you just moved out to utah but you've shot some of the matches there utah wyoming and colorado so, I know that Utah, just from shooting them, I've only shot, I just got out here a month and a half ago. I shot a match out here and then down at PCSL. So that the one, St. George has a ton of shooting. That's where the Nationals were down there before. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of really good, really good shooters. Uh, um, Justine and Jalice are down there. Those two, those two uh, girls that are GMs, um, that are like teenagers. There's a lot, a lot of real heat down there. Obviously, Max Leo Grandis, um, uh, so that's that area. St. George has a lot. Um, I shot up here and the match was really good. There was the, the squad that I was on um, was, it was almost all carry optics, but there were what four or five masterclass uh, carry optic shooters on that squad. So it was like, it was, it was, you know, some freaking talent. I mean, it wasn't like, <clears throat> It was not a uh, it wasn't a lower end match. It was just a local match. There's there's obviously a cross section of talent out here. I think I was like because I'm not class. I don't think I'm classified yet. I might be classified because of my my iron sight stuff. But if I'm classified because of my iron sight, I'm an A class carry optics. But I was like one of the just one of the other dudes in there that was A. So it was a, it was a good it was a good group of uh, a good group of dudes in there, and it was a well run match, and it was good apparatus and all that. So I I just know that one that one um um salt lake practical shooters so I, mm. I'll, I'll know more as i push along but there's a lot of shooting here there's probably four or five matches within 60 miles of salt lake okay i know it, you know in terms of wyoming uh chris and i we've shot the wyoming governor's cup match not a local but it was a really good facility out of cody uh wyoming and yep. then uh and then I know down in Cheyenne, they also have a really good club. I'm not really familiar with uh, any of the local stuff that they put on, but like the facilities that I've been to, you know, out there, pretty top quality. Colorado, not entirely sure about what they have out there. Uh, I know some of the people. Yeah, that magazine run, restrictions, we know that. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but I've heard the nationals there. <laughs> I I have heard some good things about some of the matches that they have there. I'm just not familiar with them. One that uh, yeah. <laughs> One that's uh close, very close. Colorado is um, Rocky Mountain Three Gun. I think yeah. it's forty minutes to yeah. Colorado border. Uh, that's a good one. I know it went away as kind of more of a three day match for a couple years, but I guess they brought it back to a three day match. I don't exactly know what it's at now, but that's a good, uh, well, it's a good match at least. I think it still is at uh, the NRA Whittington Center. Yep. And if you're interested in like making a match into like a fun overall trip to vacation local area, that's a pretty cool area. Same thing like Matt when we went to, uh, Wyoming Governor's match in uh, uh, Cody there. You can go to Yellowstone uh, on your day off or whatever. So you can turn that into a whole vacation too if you want. I mean, you and I hiked up up, uh, Hart Mountain out there and (laughs) hiked 2,000 meters or 2,000 yards to the mountain, then hiked another 2,000, 2,500 yards up the mountain and almost got... Almost got stampeded by a bunch of cows on the mountain. I almost lost your heart on that one too. What? I almost lost your heart on that one too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did too. Yep. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's kind of everything that we wanted to cover. Uh, do you do you guys have anything you guys want to add to uh, to listeners in terms of you know what they should consider and look for in matches? I'll go real quick. All right. Uh, Sorry to cut you off, Chris. Um, But um, if you find a quality match director, that's someone you stick with. Um, I look at like some of them, they're like directors, right? Like if you're, if you're a film guy, kind of like I am um, some match directors, like put out, like some directors put out really great movies. Like for example, if uh, Christopher Nolan puts something out, I'm probably going to see it in theaters. If Michael Bay puts something out, maybe I'm going to see it when it comes out in DVD. And same way with match directors, like some of them put together really good stages and some of them just chain together a bunch of stand and deliver stuff. Um, Another thing I'll say about that is like, I don't really, I really don't want to hear a sermon during the safety brief. Um, This is very recent in my memory because the match that Matt and I shot, it was just like, that dude was all over the place. Like, he started briefing the stages during the safety brief. I'm like, dude, that's, that's what we're here to do. Like you have the brief at every single stage. Like I, I think there, there might as well be a bingo card given out during this uh, safety brief. And if he hits, like, if he mentions politics, if he like rages against liberals, he starts going into like stages. If he starts being very specific about like horror stories about like other shooters have come and like uh, shot up his range and stuff. Um, I, th- I think that you'll you'll get a bingo there. So that that's kind of the, the personality of the match director is going to dictate um, a lot of the quality of the match. And like typically the match director has to be an organized person. That's highly ad- and somebody who puts a lot of effort into it. Um, and then the last thing I'll say about local matches, if you're consistently going there and stomping everybody, then that's a sign that you need to branch out and go seek some heat. Um, we've talked about it several times in all our answers. Uh, most of us see the fact that good shooters are attending that match as a sign that that's going to be a quality match. And that's largely true. So for those of you guys that might be going to a match in your backyard and 
it's not very competitive, I would urge you to make the drive to something else and just see what else is out there. All right. Oh, oh no. no, Chris, go. <laughs> uh, I'll just branch off of Frank's thing there. I kind of the match director's emotional stability will bleed down to <laughs> RO's emotional stability. And there are a we've all seen them, a lot of guys that are very passionate about a lot of things and want to tell you their opinions on a lot of things. Um, but if you have a whole group of match staff that is not well composed and they will take it personally when they think that you uh, break a rule and then it will become a personal thing for them to prove that you broke that rule uh, where I think match staff should look at the rule book uh, and try to interpret it in any way possible to help aid the shooter. Um, and I haven't shot one of those matches, but hearing uh, Max on podcasts, uh, it seems like he's taken that approach towards his matches, and uh, that that excites me. And even shooting around him a little bit, he seems like a very uh, stable person. So I think that creates a whole good atmosphere and culture for matches. Mike, uh, yeah, I'd just say that, going back to what Frank said, like ROs and stuff like that. Um, if you've got bad ones. I think it's cutting out a little bit. Yeah. Mike, I think you're, uh, you're okay. he's catching up. Faden? Yeah. I think we got you again. Say, go ahead. Okay. If I, if I go to a local match and. I think we're losing him again. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll, uh, just kind of go into my last piece. Um, Frank, I've uh, I've experienced a lot of what you said, and me and Chris were kind of smiling about this a lot because uh, we went. We used to go to a, a match that was held like on a monthly or a bi-monthly period, um, and I would literally set a timer um, <laughs> for when the, the match director started talking to the point whenever he stopped and there was one point where it was literally 45 minutes. Um, so yeah, that's, that's frustrating. I didn't pay to go listen to somebody talk. I paid to go shoot my guns and I don't want my day elongated because a match director just wants to get his word in. Um, and I think we kind of hit on things that we don't like at matches. Um, you know, but one last thing I'll say about that, like, you know, whenever the match director puts targets out there and he, he wants to try and figure out a way to where he can up the round count on there. So he just has you reengage the same target twice, you know, and that's steel targets. It's like now now you're just, you know, I complained before because you guys want, you know, you down the round count. But whenever I complain, I was like, hey, you need to up the round count, you know, make it a little bit more complex. You know, that's what's going to make this, a, 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 you know, a bit more interesting. Uh, and whenever he just instead of making it more complex, he just has you reengage the same steel target with pistol twice and ha has you reengage the same steel target with rifle twice. Now you're just insulting me. Like you're not doing yourself any favors and it, you know, those are things to, to, to kind of watch out for, but you know, if you are a new competitor 
or if you're even a seasoned competitor and you want to, you know, go out and, you know, find good matches in the area, you know, typically there's one or two good matches in an area. And typically most people stick to those matches and don't go anywhere else. Uh, so those are the ones you want to hold on to. And those are the ones you want to help out. Um, a sign of a really good match is whenever you have people that consistently go back and they are asking that match director what they can do to help that match director and make it better for them or take some of the stress off for them. That's mm -hmm. a sign of a good match and a good, good group of people. You have anything else? No, I think that wraps it up. I okay. also think we lost Mike. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, we hope you did enjoy this. Uh, let us know how we're doing. Uh, you know, Apple, Spotify, uh, whatever platform you do use, it, you know, to help people find uh, the podcast more, it does help if you go on there and rate us. So if you could give us like a five-star review, please. Uh, that'd be great. Um, and if there's anything you want us to talk about specifically, let us know and we will try and, you know, get out there and do that, talk about it. But we hope you had a great Thanksgiving because we are recording this over the, you know, the weekend after Thanksgiving uh, and just have a good one.